Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. So the greatest (laughs) qualities to have are patience and wisdom. As I was just sitting there, God spoke to me about that skunk. There's a guy called Dr. James Morocco, has a huge church in Hawaii. And when he was driving to church one morning, there was a skunk on the side of the road. And the skunk had found a golden syrup can and got his head in the can to lick the bottom of the thing and he couldn't get it off. James, being a merciful soul, stopped to help the skunk. He's dressed in a suit and tie, ready for church. But every time he tried to help the skunk, what was the skunk going to do? Just going to skunk him. And in the end, he cried out and he said, Skunk, I'm trying to help you. And every time I try to help you, look what you're trying to do to me. And God said, that's what you're doing to me. He said, you've got the head in the bag. And he said, every time I'm trying to get your head out of there so you can see what you're doing, he said, you turn around and attack me. Is that a bit of a scary revelation? Just want to tell you that because sometimes you and I, we get our head in a place where we can't see and when God's trying to help us, we just hit back at him instead of allowing him to remove what needs to be removed. Okay? Don't know who that's for, but never mind. Love this one here. Hi, Norman. I'm just popping into this shop to look at some shoes. What are you going to do? He said, I'll go on holiday to Spain. I'll meet you back here. John 5, if you've got a Bible you can turn there otherwise you can watch it on the screen whatever's going to work for you it says then Jesus returned to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish holy days inside the city near the sheep gate there's a pool called in the Aramaic the house of loving kindness or Bethesda as we know it and this is a pool is surrounded by five covered porches hundreds of sick people were lying there on the porches the paralysed, the blind and the crippled all of them waiting for healing. For the angel of the Lord would periodically descend into the pool, stir the waters, and the first one who stepped into the pool after the waters stirred would instantly be healed. Isn't that an incredible thing? Now, there was a man who had been disabled for 38 years, lying amongst the multitude of the sick. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that the man had been crippled a long time. So Jesus said to him, Do you truly long to be healed? This is the Passion Translation, by the way, in case you're wondering why it's a bit different. The sick man answered him, Sir, there's no way I can get healed, for I have no one who is there to lower me into the water when the angel comes. As soon as I try to crawl to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps in ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Immediately he stood up, he was healed, so he rolled up his mat and walked again. Now this miracle took place on the Jewish Sabbath. When the Jewish leaders saw the man walking along carrying his sleeping mat, they objected and said, what are you doing carrying that? Don't you know it's the Sabbath? It's not lawful for you to carry it on the Sabbath. Then he answered them. Have you got that all right? Yep. The man who healed me told me to pick it up and walk. What man? They asked him. 
Who is this man who ordered you to carry something on the Sabbath? But the healed man couldn't give them the answer, for he didn't know who it was, since Jesus had already slipped away into the crowd. A short time later, Jesus found the man at the temple and said to him, Look at you now, you're healed. Walk away from your sin so that nothing worse will happen to you. Then the man went to the Jewish leaders to inform them, It was Jesus who healed me. So from that day forward, the Jewish leaders began to persecute Jesus because he did of what the things he did on the Sabbath. Then Jesus answered his critics by saying, Every day my father is at work, and I will be too. This infuriated them and made them all the more eager to devise a plan to kill him. For not only did he break the Sabbath rules, but he called God my father, which made him equal to God. So Jesus said, I speak to you this timeless truth. The son is not able to do anything from himself or through his own initiative. I only do the works that I see my father doing, and the son does in like manner. Wow. Okay. I want to look at this whole thing of Bethesda, the house of loving kindness. That's what Bethesda means, the house of loving kindness. What are they doing there? They're waiting for healing. My question to you tonight is, what kind of house are you waiting in? This is a good question, isn't it? Because you see, I find some people waiting in the house of criticism. None of you people, I'm talking about other people out there, you know, other people, not you. Some people are waiting in the house of anger. There's all kinds of houses. But God had these people waiting in the place of the house of loving kindness. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for God to move. Amen? And I just think that the picture you've had is about us waiting for God to move. My next question to you is, what is your part in making it the house of loving kindness? Because this is a church plant. The minute that somebody walks through that door into this place, what is your part in making them feel welcome? Is that fair enough? Please do not say to the person who walks through the door, how did you find out about us? Who cares how they found out they're here? Amen? Just love on them. Say, it is so great that you're here tonight. I believe that God's going to do something in your lifetime. Speak things of faith. You know what I mean? We as Christians tend to come in. We have ways to make you talk. We will find out why you are in this church, where you have come from. I mean, seriously. I've visited churches. I know what it's like. And you get the people on the door with a limp fish. Looking so excited to be there. We've all got something, you know, haven't we faith to make people feel welcome? Why don't we hug on somebody? You know, some people don't want that hug straight away. But you know what, you've got to be a little bit sensitive. Because I'm sensing, I don't want to just bring a word of tonight, I want to bring in something prophetic. And I think this has got to be a house of love and kindness. What are we going to do about it? Now, five covered porches, five is the number of grace. Is that right? Now, you've heard it put God's riches at Christ's expense. That nice little wee acronym there but I love what, something that Richard said to me one day, Richard Brunton said he does not give us what we deserve but what he has paid for do you like that? isn't that powerful? just because Richard goes to this church I'm giving him credit, normally I don't give him any credit whatsoever <laughs> but the reality is that, that that's who it is, you, you, you sang the song tonight it's who he is and so God's this amazing God of grace who doesn't give us what we deserve. He comes and he gives us 
what he has already paid for. And I love that. You look at this in here in Exodus. It says, The Lord passed before him and reclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. Is that your God? It's only yours, Viv. You and me. All the rest of them, they're too, too tired to say anything. But what does that really mean? Holly, what does it mean that God's merciful? Putting you on the spot, aren't I? You weren't used to this kind of a preacher. He's going to engage you. Isn't that beautiful? Do you know what? In the days of John Wesley, when the revival was breaking out, they had to use anybody to preach. And one time they got this guy up to speak and he was just new and he couldn't actually read. And he read about the story of the austere man. But he didn't know the word austere. And he thought it was oyster man. And so he preached this message on the oyster man diving down into the muddy water and grabbing the oysters in his bare hands and wrestling the oysters from the miry clay, cutting his hands and his hands bleeding. And he said, this is the picture of God, his hands bleeding with his blood to rescue us out of the mud. And one of the elders said to Wesley after he said that, that idiot doesn't even know it's an austere man, not an oyster man. You need to remove him from the pulpit. And John Wesley said, why? God got 12 oysters tonight. Isn't that the grace of God? That a guy who can't even read gets this picture of God's hands bleeding to bring us out of the mud and the mire that we live in. And what a beautiful picture. And I I just think, you know, I think sometimes you and I are so hard on ourselves. And we have to understand that God is a God of mercy. Of course, his mercy is only new once a month. Is that right? How often? Every morning. Isn't that great? We can wake up every day and know that there's mercy there. And there's truth and there's goodness. All of those things that God says. Now it's very interesting here that there were hundreds waiting. When the angel turned up, only one person got healed. Here's the interesting thing. When Jesus turned up, only one person got healed. It appears to me that Jesus operates within the boundaries set by his Father. Do you like that? Has anyone ever noticed that before? What's the message for you and I? Well, I don't know what the message is for you, but for me, when God began to speak about this to me, do you know what he said to me, Hope? He said, Jeff, here are your boundaries. Here is the mission, and here is the vision, and here is the ministry that I've given you. Don't go doing things outside of it. Wow. And all of a sudden I realised, you know, a lot of people like to call me, also, you know, he gave me doctrine, all sorts of stuff tonight. You know, when I go to Africa, they call me apostle. And fair enough, I've planted churches there and I've done apostolic things. I let them call me whatever they like. But you know what I've got to be careful of is that I don't move outside of my gifting and the calling which God has given me. Because the reality is because I've been a trained teacher, I love to teach. But you know what? Teaching's not my main gift. It's encouraging people and moving in the prophetic. But if I'm not careful, I can easily move into teaching. I can teach, there's no worries with that. 
but it's not actually what God's called me for. So you've got to be thinking about yourself. What are your boundaries? And what's God actually called you to do? Because it's very easy, like we learned today, to get distracted by doing serving that God never meant you to do. Isn't that okay? All right. So the whole thought about that is that Jesus only does what he sees the Father doing. And he, we'll talk about that. So he has a word of knowledge. He knows that the guy has been there 38 years. I want to say to you that the word of knowledge is an incredibly powerful gift. And we're not seeing it often enough in the church. I also believe that the word of knowledge should not be functioning just in the church. But the word of knowledge should be functioning in the marketplace. Does that make sense to you? I'm on the cruise ship last week as a speaker. And uh, we go up to the 14th floor. There's this lounge. It becomes a nightclub at night. But in the mornings it was a lounge. And all sorts of people reading books and stuff. And just the 14th floor, you just look right out over the sea. It's just absolutely beautiful. And every day there's this lady there in a neck brace. And I said, can I pray for you? She said, sure. And I said, God is showing me this about your neck. And she said, how did you know that? That's exactly what the doctors have said. I said, well, that's something that God showed me. They said, wow, that's a gift. I said, it is. It's called the gift of the word of knowledge. She said, yeah, you can pray for me. Just that. Do you know what? I've, I've seen time and again where the word of knowledge will open stuff up. I had a woman come to me. She had had two years of counselling. Please, I'm not, I'm not knocking counsellors. The counselling was good for it. I'm sure it accomplished a lot of things. But do you know what? At the end of two years, the behaviour had not changed. And God gave me a word of knowledge and said she has to choose A or B. She has to do it right now before she leaves your office. Wow. She made a choice, she chose A, and she did it right there and then. Walked out of my office totally free. Totally free. A husband rang me up and said, what would you do to my wife? He said, it's amazing, the transformation's incredible. Give me your bank account. <laughs> he did, that's what he said. That's exactly what he said. But how good it was. See, it's a word of knowledge that opens stuff up. And I want to encourage you, I don't think words of knowledge are just for Pastor Jeff. I think God wants to use us to unlock other people and set them free. Does that sound reasonable? Just like you did here. Then Jesus asked this amazing question. Do you truly want to be healed? Now, Jesus used questions, always asking people, because what it did is it revealed them. I actually preached a series. I think I did. Were you there when I did the questions of Jesus at Eden, you guys? Oh, now you're putting them on the spot. Yes, I was, and you've forgotten it. Come on. And, no, just kidding. And I did about 37 messages on the questions of Jesus. It was a series that absolutely exploded within me because Jesus asked all these hard questions. And you know what it does? It exposes our heart. Shows us who we are. And so he says to this guy, do you truly want to be healed? Some people don't want to be healed. Do you know that? Why? Because they're happy being miserable. It's their identity. You know, I remember meeting this cook at this camp. And, you know, before long she was telling me about all this stuff. And the next minute she's pulling up her shirt and showing me this huge big scar underneath here. And I'm thinking, oh, please, Lord, this is... And then she started talking about something else. I said, please don't show me that scar. Um... <laughs> but you know what? Healing was not her priority. Her identity was in all the operations and the fact that she was sick. Does that make sense? And so sometimes when we talk to people, 
when they come for us to us with a need, we actually need to be good at questioning. Because some people actually don't want the power of God that you're carrying. Does that make sense? Because they don't actually want to be free. And they're just wasting our time. And that's like we learned about this morning, distraction. Then there's this thing here, which is an amazing thing. I have no one. He said, there's no one to put me in. I think that that comes straight from the devil. He is a liar and the father of lies. Would you agree with that? I have so many people say to me, I've got no one. And they confess that they're lonely and they've got no one who loves them and I'm going down the garden to eat worms. You know, I mean, life's so miserable for them. And it's a lie. I believe the truth is that you have the Holy Spirit to help you. Because he said, I will send you a what? Another word for that? Comforter. Amen. He is the God of all comfort. Wow. Are you allowing God to comfort you? Because if you're not, it means that you're happy being angry or upset or sick because we don't want the comforter. We would rather be miserable. I'm being hard here, I know. That's the prophet side of me now, having a, having a dig at you. But you see, I want you to understand that our enemy, Satan, is a liar and the father of lies. His actual resource is untruth. And so for every single person in this room, and for churches in general, I can guarantee you that there are lies that are functioning. Because that's who our enemy is. His actual resource is lies. I don't know what faith, what, what's your resources? What are your skills? What are your abilities? What are your gifts? Just, just give us one of them. I know you're a talented lady. Okay, good public speaker. There you go. So you've got all these gifts and abilities. What's the devil got? He's got lies. That's what he does. And so we need to be very careful. And I'll tell you what, when you find people who are into lies, it's very, very hard to corner them. It's like oil through your fingers. Isn't that right, Pastor James? So I just need you to know today that it's a lie that you have no one. You have the Holy Spirit. How much more could you possibly want? Then he gets this command. Stand up, pick up your sleeping mat and walk. Wow. Jesus didn't pray for him for healing. He just said, pick up your mat and walk. Sometimes you need to speak to the mountain rather than praying. And you need to take authority and do it. I want to say this to you. Obedience always leads to blessing. When we just do what God says, you will always be blessed. Hallelujah. There's a young guy in Nevada. I got invited to speak in Nevada at a youth uh, meeting on a Wednesday night in an Assemblies of God church. And when I finished, I prayed for the sick. Every single person I prayed for got healed. Except one. By the way, tonight some people are going to get healed. Amen. Just I was over there, sitting there worshipping, and God spoke to me and said, pray for the sick tonight. So get excited about that because some people are going to get healed. Anyway, he had a, a, a thing on his leg from the top of his thigh here all the way down. And it was a cast that was held with Velcro. And he had broken his Achilles tendon. 
and hadn't walked in weeks. And I said, take it off and walk. Well, he took it all off. He lifted up his foot, put it back down again, and put everything back on. Never took a step. If he had stepped out, he had seen every person healed, but he couldn't do it. He was the only person that night. Now, there was so much going on in the youth, we didn't finish too late, and the adults were wondering where the youth are, and they're finding out there's healing happening, and so the next one I know was the assistant pastor standing there to get healed, and then all of a sudden we had to go through all the, all the adults, and it got to be a rather late night. And a whole lots of people got healed. He was the only one who didn't. Because he didn't obey what God spoke to him. Isn't that amazing? You know, sometimes there's just a step of faith that's required for us. There's just disobedience. The funny thing is, uh, twice now I've had people with, with casts like that, with a Velcro up to there. The other one was at Pastor Tommy Barnett's pastor school in Phoenix, Arizona. And I arrived there and I'd seen this guy because you couldn't help miss him. He was six foot five, same height as me, but much broader shoulders and not as handsome, of course, but, you know, <laughs> bigger guy. And uh, I'd seen him the day before. And the next day he's got this cast on his leg, you see. And so he's sitting in the back and he's got his foot up there. And when everyone leaves after the class, I, I see him there and I'm sort of making my way out. And I thought, goodness me, here's a whole room full of pastors and no one prayed for him. And then God said, well, why don't you? And I said, well, I'm too busy judging everybody else, Lord. Just leave, leave, leave me alone, you know, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> and the Lord says, you pray for him then. And I said, oh, Lord, okay, I don't even know the guy. You know, I've never seen him before apart from just sort of observing him last night. And I said, what happened to you? He said, oh, last night in the car park, he said, you know, the, 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 um, the curbs here are so big at Phoenix First Assembly. He said, I, I tripped on it. And he said, I've ripped all my muscles. They said, it would have been better if I'd broken my leg. They said, I'm going to be two months in this cast. I said, take it off and walk in Jesus' name. So he unstrapped it, put it over his shoulder, and just straight out the door. And I'm standing there watching it. I thought, well, he could have said, my name's Fred or something. But he's just gone. He was just disappeared, you know. Anyway, th that night, there was a youth service on, and I went to it, and I'm in the gym, and he walks in with his wife. And his wife was, and he's six foot five, his wife was five foot one. And um, she comes up and said, oh, are you, are you the guy who prayed for my husband. I said, yeah. I said, he's not very talkative, is he? Oh, gee, he's good in the pulpit. He's, <laughs> he's a preacher, you know. He said, but he's not very good on one-to-one. -one. I said, yeah, he didn't even say thank you. Or He said, yeah. Oh, she said, no. Please excuse him. That's just like he is. But the reality is, is that that guy had received a major injury the night before. When I told him to take it off and walk, he just did it. Obedience always leads to blessing. Isn't that true? Yeah. This guy, what does he do? And so there's two things in there. There's one for you and I. Sometimes we need to command things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Speak to the mountain. And also when someone says that to you, you need to be ready to just do it. Okay? You all right with that? Yeah. Interesting that he failed to find out about the healer. So when they ask him who healed you, he didn't even know. It's very interesting. Isn't it? I prayed for a lady in Denver. It was hilarious. Uh, I, I went away and I spent three days of prayer and fasting in Denver, Colorado. And uh, a guy there who's from Promise Keepers is the assistant manager of the hotel. And he said, you just come and stay here free of charge. We'll look after you. And so I'm there and I was, got to the afternoon and the Lord said to me, you're finished. Just go off and enjoy yourself. So I said, Lord, what am I going to do in Denver? I don't know anyone. I've got no car or anything. But anyway, so I walked in the snow down to the shopping mall 
And I went in and I found some shirts. And uh, there were 10 shirts actually. And now, hard for a big guy like me, who's both tall and a bit bigger, to find those sort of shirts here in New Zealand. And there were 10 of them, my size, and they'd all been reduced down from 130 to $10 each. And I was trying to work out which ones I'd buy. And then the Holy Spirit said, why don't you just buy 10? Still cheaper than one shirt. I thought, Lord, that makes sense. So I bundled up all these shirts and I get to the checkout and there's this girl there. And I said, how are you today? She said, oh, miserable. I said, what's the problem? She said, my back. She said, I'm just in real pain. I said, look, I pray for people with bad backs. Can I pray for you? Sure, she said. Now, she was thinking I was just going to go off and pray. But of course, the next minute, I'm round behind the counter laying hands on her. <laughs> she has got this look. Her face has gone white. And me and my little wee, quiet, Pentecostal voice in the name of Jesus is healing her. And she's so shocked at what's happening. It's a while before she realized that the pain is gone. And she said, hang on, hang on. She said, the, pain, the pain's all gone. And she begins to move like this. She said, who are you? Like, who is this masked man? <laughs> it, was, it was just hilarious, you know. Anyway, letter to Jesus. It's good stuff. Now, then he says, sin no more, lest something worse come upon you. Do you think there's some kind of connection between sin and sickness? Some of you are nodding your head. Some of you don't want to agree with it. Well, if Jesus said it, it's got to be true. Is that right? When I went with Bill Sabrisky to Nigeria, there's a guy there, and I'd seen the video of him. He had been committing adultery, and one of his testicles had a cancer in it the size of a baseball. And when the prophet pointed at him and prayed and commanded it to leave, we literally watched it drop out of his testicle onto the stage. Do you know what he renamed himself? Sin no more. From this very scripture. Because he knew it was his adultery that had caused the cancer to come. And he said, guess what? I sin no more, he said. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So I believe that sin opens a door to disease. It doesn't have to. But if you leave a door open, the devil will take it. Isn't that right? Now, least indicates not always, but the door is open. And so we've talked about the sin no more guy in Nigeria. We've already done that. But the message to Jesus was very simple. He said, stop sinning. You don't want that to come back on you. 38 years is a long time to be sick. So let's not go backwards. Amen. And that's why the Bible, you know, Paul clearly says, because we have received these promises, let us go on to cleanse ourselves from all unrighteousness. Amen. Yes. All right. Not his own initiative. Most assuredly, I say the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son does also in like manner. Amen. So Jesus can do nothing except what he sees the Father do. And so my prophetic word for Huapai tonight, after you've loved on people, is say, God, what are you doing in Huapai? And let's join you in the work. If you ever look at the, the, the book Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, and if you're going to do something in your study groups, do Henry Blackaby Experiencing God, he really focuses on this and he says very clearly, hey, have a look and see what the Father's doing and join him in the work. Does that make sense to you? Because that's what Jesus is doing. He's having a look and saying, I can only do. Now, it's not just what we do, but how we do it. Now, I've just complimented Hope here. I told her how pretty she was looking. But if I go over to Hope and say, Hope, I love you. How loved are you feeling in all reality? Not really. Not really. <laughs> 
Why not hope? It's the delivery lacked a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Just a wee bit. And so it's not just what we do. I mean, it's the same with my cat. You know, my cat comes and has devotions with me. I can be patting him. And I can tell him he's just a flea bag and the most horrible looking cat in the whole of Kiri Kiri. He doesn't care. He just purrs away. But if I said to him, I love you, I mean, he'd be off gone. You know, because it's not what I say, is it? It's the manner in which I do it. And, you know, I get people come up to me and say, brother, I just need to tell you something in love. Now, what do you know is going to come? It ain't going to be love, is it? It is not going to be love. And so the manner in which we do something is incredibly important. Because if you're going to love on the people who walk through this door, it's not just what you say, but how you say it. And it's what we actually do with that. See, Malcolm's here tonight. Malcolm follows me around preaching all over the place. But Malcolm's a part of Christian Fellowship for Disabled. And you've seen Diana in the wheelchair. The reality is that Eden Assembly of God had 23% of its congregation were disabled in some form or other. 23%. Way out of whack. Why? Because we loved on them. And they were totally accepted. I never forget Paul Sabrisky talking to one of the guys who was in our disabled. And he used to catch two buses to come to our church. And one of our pastors would take him home afterwards. <laughs> That's how we talked. Teeth out. And you couldn't understand a word he said. Now, Pastor Jan has the gift of interpretation. Pastor Jan could somehow work out what he was saying. But I remember Paul Sabrisky going up to this guy and saying, how are you tonight? And regretting it. <laughs> Because he answered him, you know. And then Paul, thinking, I'll ask another question. Suddenly, I saw as soon as he asked the question, he thought, I should never have done that. Because <laughs> he didn't understand a word. And he said, Jeff, what do I do? I said, let me interpret it. Because I was reasonably good at interpreting. Malcolm probably knows who I'm talking about. I think I you think I do, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It's the fact that we loved on them. You know, I used to go and pick up guys in their wheelchairs because I was big. I could lift them out and put them into a car and bring them to church. And because we did a little bit beyond that, it's the real love. Do you, you hear what I'm talking about? Now, that actually stopped our church growing in some respects because some of those disabled people scared other people off. Because when you had combined meals and things, we had to feed people and some people would have it all just moving around in there and it didn't always look good. But if you hear what I'm trying to say, is that somehow you and I have actually got to see, the Bible says in Hebrews, it says that let us consider how we can provoke one another to love and good works. So you actually have to think about how we love. Does that make sense? It doesn't just come naturally. We have to think it through. Okay. So here's my prophetic word for you. It's time to pray and see what God's doing in Huapai. And then... You've got to do it in the same manner. Is that fair enough? And let me give you a little bit of wisdom from Tommy Barnett, since we've talked about him already tonight. The message is sacred, not the method. Okay? In other words, we can do different stuff. We don't change the message. The message is always the same, that he is the oyster man who reaches down <laughs> To bring us out of the miry clay with his dripping hands. I mean, that's, that's the message, isn't it? 
but the method might be different. He might want us to do something different. Let's be open to that. So I think that God is calling you to wait on him, and I think your fasting is a part of that. But I will say this to you. God wants to show you. Look at this verse here. Because the Father loves his Son so much, he always reveals to me everything that he is about to do. I have got no doubt whatsoever that God wants to show you the next step. Hallelujah, isn't that cool? And so for that person who's on the precipice of making that big decision, just want to confirm it, he's doing it. John Maxwell, he's a great leader, we commented on him before this morning. He said, when the Jews confronted Jesus after he healed a man on the Sabbath, he replied that he was working only because his father was working. In other words, Jesus' credibility came from results, not rhetoric. Leaders practice the law of solid ground when their lives back up their words. I'm not getting at you, James, because there's more than one leader here tonight, hopefully. Amen? You know, I talked to a church pastor who was doing a church plant, and he said to me, oh, we've been going door knocking. I said, praise God. He said, yeah, we've been offering to help them do gardening, mow lawns, do anything. He said, fortunately, no one said yes yet. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, we've got no intention of doing it. I thought, excuse me? That's not exactly what I call sincerity or integrity, you know? I wonder why their church is still 15 people. I speak to you in eternal truth. If you embrace my message and believe in the one who sent me, you will never face condemnation, for in me you have already passed from the realm of death into eternal life. Amen? The reality is, folks, is that through him we're saved. Amen? Have we got anyone here tonight who's never made that decision to put their trust in Jesus for salvation? Is anyone who's never done that? Okay. We've all done it. So what's our application tonight? Well, firstly, are we ready to trust him for salvation? As an individual... Are you willing to wait on to him for what's next? I'd love to see one head nodding anyway. All the rest are still thinking that one through. Um, And maybe individually, through all of the stuff about skunks and everything else, God may have spoken something just individually to you. Because you know what often I find, I stand up here and preach and people came to me, when you said this, I'm going, I never said that. And I realized it wasn't me. But the Holy Spirit was saying something. Amen. Let's pray.